And so we're in this series called This Is How We Change and how appropriate is that um, to sit and catch God by surprise, especially here at Fervent Church. And so we're talking about how to change our hearts, everyone, how to change our hearts. And uh, the thesis, if you will, the theme of this series goes like this. Before you could see change, you first, he first, meaning God needs to change your heart. Once he changes your heart, then he will change your thoughts. Once he changes your thoughts, then he will change your character. Once he changes your character, he will then change your habits. Once he changes your habits, he will then change your course or your ways. And then finally, once he changes your course or ways, then he will change your destination. And so today, as we talk about change, that is the progression that we're following. He first needs to change your heart, then he will change the rest. So today, we're going to talk about how to change your heart. How to change your heart. And so I'm going to read from um, a Hebrew scripture. I'm going to read from the Hebrew scriptures today in the book of Ezekiel. And just to give you like the, the, the context of Ezekiel, um, he's a priest. And for the first half of the book, he's warning Israelites. He's warning Israel, hey, you guys are acting like knuckleheads. You're rebelling against God. You're, you're, you're you know, worshiping other idols. You're allowing injustice. Isn't it a shame how things haven't changed, right? You're allowing injustice. And so this message that Ezekiel is speaking, I want to be very clear. It's not for America. It's for Israel. He's talking to Israel. And then he gives them the warning. Hey, things are going to happen. And what happens? They got attacked uh, by, by Babylon. Babylon comes in. They tear up the temple in Jerusalem. And so he's there. But then Ezekiel has another vision where God's talking to him and talks about how God's going to give them a new heart. So that's what we're going to pick up today. Given this promise in the vision that God's going to bring back Israel from the dead, from dry bones. He's going to raise them up and he's going to bring back life. And this is how God does it. Okay, so this message that Ezekiel is talking about, it's to Israel. But I want us to open up our eyes to see how God changes people and notices he starts with the heart. Starting at verse 24 says this, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into our own land. Then I will sprinkle water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you, here it is, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone. <laughs> I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will keep my judgments. You will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. You shall be my people. You shall be my people. And I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase of your fields. So you will never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Woo. So God came in with this promise. He says, listen to me. If you change your heart, if you allow me to change your heart, if you allow me to do this heart transplant, okay, if, if I could switch things out right now, I could promise you a better future. I could promise you a better destination. But it first needs to start with the heart, okay? It first needs to start with the heart. Three quick points right off the top. 
is that when I talk about the heart, I'm talking about your inner person, okay? We don't live and abide by the statement where it says, new clothes, new you, right? That might make you feel good temporarily, but at the end of the day, you still got to work out the insides. Jesus said it best in Matthew 22, I mean 23, when he's talking to the Pharisees, he says, hey, you guys are whitewashed tombs, right? He says, you look really pretty on the outside, but you're still dead on the inside, okay? When he was talking to the religious people at the time. So we don't want to be whitewashed tomb. We want to focus on this inner person. Everything could look great out here, but it's the inner man that God is concerned with, okay? So that's the first thing. When we talk about your heart, we're talking about the inner person. The second thing is this, and we talked about this last week. Basically, if we, God says, if I could change your heart, I can change everything. If I can change your heart, I won't even need to change your circumstances. If I can change your heart, oh, sky's the limit. That's God's posture towards you today, all right? So if I could change your heart, I could change everything, all right? The third point about your heart is this, that the heart of every issue is always the issues of the heart. Let me say that again. That the heart of every issue is always the issues of the heart, okay? So when I'm looking at the problems of this world, we, we, we obviously we need to change legislation. We need to change, you know, things that are happening systemically, but also we need to change the hearts of the people. Okay. The hearts of the people. So the issue, the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. Okay. Whatever issue you're going through, that's even more personal than what's going on globally. Like it, just know that it's a heart issue. Maybe not be your heart, but it's someone else's heart. It's always a heart issue issue. So remember that the word heart is mentioned thousands of times in the Bible, and we can't go through every heart, uh, every kind of heart in the Bible, but today I want to focus on three. We're going we're gonna to allow God to do some, some, a heart transplant. We're going to get on the table of surgery, and we're going to allow God to do what only he can do. You know, the Bible calls him the great physician, okay? So promise me today that you're not going to jump off of the operation table, okay? Stay there and let God do a heart transplant, all right? So we're gonna learn how to trade in some things when it comes to this new heart. Who's with me? Come on, who's with me? In the chat, say, I'm here, I'm ready, draw me closer, make us better, in Jesus' name, all right? So here's the first heart transplant thing. We, we know that God will give us a new heart, for an old heart, a new heart for an old heart. A verse that we used last week, and I want to bring up again, is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I mean 14 to 17, says this, for the love of Christ compels us, okay? Because we judged us that if one died for all, then all died. We all die in Jesus. And he died for all, that those who, sh who live should no longer live for themselves. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for Jesus, okay? But for him who died and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. I want you to highlight that this, today. We don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, all right? Give me the emoji hands that look like this. If you are in Christ, okay? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old has passed away. 
Behold, all things have become new. Okay? So, why do I say this? As we trade in our old heart for a new heart, know this. Know this. That I get it. That sometimes this is conflicting because this is a spiritual truth, not necessarily a physical truth. Okay? It's a physical truth. Because at the end of the day, I still have the same muscle beating in my chest, right? So I, it's, this is a spiritual exchange. So that's how we have to see it. It's a spiritual exchange. My favorite verse in the Bible is 1 John 4.17. And it says, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. For me personally, that was a game changer. And here's why. Because I used to look at things that I was called to do and say, well, that's not me. I'm not the person who, um, and back then I thought I was tough. I'm not the person to sit there in front of everyone, raise my hand, sing to God with one tear in my eye. That's not me. That just isn't me. I used to say, well, that just isn't me that I could just openly go up to someone and start talking to them about the love of Jesus. That isn't me. It isn't me that I would sit there and I would pray for someone and lay hands on them. That's just not me. It's not me to quote scripture. It's not me to do this. It's not me to do that. And then when I saw this verse, it punched me in the gut because basically Jesus was telling me, hey, I don't give a rip what's you. You do not long, you no longer exist. It's, you are now in me. So as I, as I am in this world, so are you. As we put on this new identity, okay, we can't sit there. And I, I'm not saying to throw away your personality. All I'm saying is there are things that we reject because they aren't you. But what if the starting line was this? What is Jesus? And whatever Jesus is, so am I in this world. If Jesus is compassionate, so am I in this world. If Jesus is patient, so am I in this world. If Jesus is not passive, then so am I in this world. If Jesus is passionate, then so am I in this world, all right? So regardless of your personality, let's please, let's not limit our obedience because of our personality. I want to throw this coffee at you right now. All right. Let's not limit our obedience because of our personality. But as Jesus is, so am I. So I'm not functioning off of the old heart because the old is gone. The old has messed me up. The old has hijacked my life. The old has always limited me. So that with this new heart, I have the heart. You know, we say this phrase that I accepted Jesus in my heart. If Jesus is in my heart, that means he's the person behind the driving wheel. Therefore, he's going to do it his way. He's going to go his way. So that is me. Forget about that ain't me. No, the real me is as Jesus is, so am I. So there's a heart exchange. So as you're trying to change, okay, forget about what would Mike do. I'm now thinking that old bracelet back in the 90s. What would Jesus do? Because as Jesus is, so am I. Oh, man, Mike would, flip, Mike would flip out right now. Mike would tell that person off right now. Mike would clap back real quick right now. But what would Jesus do? We're exchanging our old heart for a new heart. Number two. We're exchanging, so a pure heart for a troubled heart. Okay, Jesus is going to give us a pure heart as we offer up a troubled heart. Wow, Mike, those two aren't normally, uh, you know, against each other. 
What, what do you mean? You, normally, I get the new versus old, but what do you mean pure versus troubled? I'll show you. John 14, verses 1 to 3 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? So, out of the thousand heart verses in the scripture, it talks about a troubled heart. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Jesus is like, I ain't never lie. Okay? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Right? So this is promise as Jesus is saying. Say, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm here with you. Okay? I'm always with you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to abandon you. Okay? But don't let your heart be troubled. The reason that our heart is troubled, right? Our hearts are troubled because we don't see God. Right? that down. We're troubled in situations only when we don't see God in those situations, okay? I, I need to say that a third time because it's so important. We're only troubled in situations because we don't see God in those situations, okay? So the psalmist said it this way. Pastor Barry used this at the get-up uh, on Thursday when he led us through a prayer walk, and he used this as, create in me, in Psalm 51, Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Notice the connection the psalmist made. is like pure heart and a steadfast heart, a heart that's going to last, a heart that's going to endure. He attached it to a pure heart. I wonder why. If we allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, Jesus said back in Matthew, he says this, and blessed are the pure in heart, the pure in heart. Blessed are they. Why? Why are they blessed? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Mind-boggling, isn't it? That the opposite of your troubles is a pure heart. Why do I need a pure heart? Because with a pure heart, I can see God in every situation. With a pure heart, I can see that in the midst of hell, He is with me. Okay? Some of you are watching this. You're angry. You're grieved. You're upset. You're troubled. And I get it. And I'm troubled with you. But we have to go back and exchange our troubled hearts. Let's go to God. Exchange our troubled hearts for a pure heart. For a pure heart. Why a pure heart? Because then we could see God in this. Because if you stay troubled, you're just going to be angry and bitter and miserable for the rest of your life. And you're going to blame it on everyone. Everyone. And you even blame yourself for certain things, right? And When you have a troubled heart. And we miss out that God's doing something. I know this season is crazy. I know it is. I validate that. The season is crazy. You went from like, everyone's waiting for Jesus to come, to come on in, right? The trumpet sound, the, cr the sky cracks open and Jesus coming in because we're getting all of it. We got a tornado <laughs> a couple days ago we, here in New Jersey. We got a tornado. We had... Uh, quarantine, you know, freaking plagues, and now the uh, war and and political arenas, bananas right now and crazy. Like you're like, all right, Jesus, here we go. It's time for you to come on back. I get it. It is a crazy season, and some of us are very troubled. And it's very easy for us to say, man, like, there's no hope. Yes, there is, because despite how crazy it is, Jesus is still on the throne. And your king is madly in love with you. See him with you. Access your pure heart to see Jesus right there with you. I 
promise you he is. And it takes time. I'm going to be really honest with you. Even this morning, I was kind of feeling you know, attacked, you know, just upset. Um, trying our best to do everything in our power to help as many people possible. And I, and I had a moment where I was overwhelmed. A moment uh, overwhelmed. I'm being too cute. I was mad at God. I was mad at God because I'm like, okay, God, enough. I've had it. Too many things happening right now, and there's too much stuff on my shoulders. And so you could ask my wife. I, I, I asked her, leave me alone. I need to go outside, and I need to walk. And I, and, I, and I had to let the emotions dwindle for a second, and I had to access my pure heart to see that God is still here, and he hasn't left. Because blessed are the, blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Let that be your prayer today. Exchange your troubled heart. Maybe not, because that's easy. That's a layup. Exchange a troubled heart for a heart of peace. You could ask that. That's fine. But exchange your troubled heart for your pure heart. Because if you see God, by default, you will have peace. Number three and last one. Y'all good? And this one's important. You want to exchange a compassionate heart for an apathetic heart. And the Bible speaks of both of them. A passionate heart. For an apathetic heart. Before uh, a very first martyr for Christianity, his name was Stephen. Um, you can find him in the book of Acts. And so before he was stoned, you know, he, was, he was stoned to death. Um, preaching the gospel, he was stoned to death. And when I say stoned, like people picked up big boulders and rocks and, and they, they, they threw it at him to the point where he was just bled out and... Um, just brutally murdered. And so in Acts 7, 51, before he was murdered, this is, this is what he said to these people. This is how he challenged some of these people. He said this. He said, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, and so do you. <sighs> uncircumcised heart. Now, I know when you think of circumcision, you don't think of it that high. <laughs> All right? But the reason he was talking about an uncircumcised heart is because he understood that their heart was callous. They were numb towards the Holy Spirit. They rejected the Holy Spirit. And so that creates apathy in our lives. A lot, some friends um, have broken away from apathy during this period where um, we're, we're realizing more and more why there's the cry that Black Lives Matter. And I love it that now my friends are repenting because they finally realized that racism isn't just conscious hate towards people, that racism is also apathy towards those people, not caring, not being enthusiastic enough to do something. That is still a form of racism. I know that's hard to swallow, and maybe some of you are rejecting right now, but can you please hear my heart for a second? That God wants to exchange an apathetic heart for a compassionate heart. And the hard thing about those who are numb is that maybe you don't even know you're numb. Because that is, by, that is the definition of numbness, right? You don't even know you're numb. You don't How can you feel something that you can't feel, right? And so we're, we're, we have some apathy. And, and the psalmist said it this way in Psalm 95 eight. It says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. 
as, as in the days of trial in the wilderness. So he's talking about referring back to the Israelites where they became apathetic in the wilderness. They, were, they, were, they allowed their hearts to get hard and they just stopped caring. They just stopped being enthusiastic. And so God wants to do a circumcision of the heart. Paul says it in Romans 2.29. I'm using a lot of scripture today because you got to understand that this is the truth with a capital T. Okay, not just your truth, not just my truth. This is a truth with a capital T that surpasses all other truths. Okay, when when Paul says this, he goes, but he is he was talking, he was arguing with people about um, how now Gentiles, people that weren't Jews, um, are still in Christ, and then he says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, inwardly. Remember that inner man, the heart, and circumcision is that of the heart. They were talking about how these guys needed to be circumcised externally. Paul's like, forget that stuff. It's about the inward man. It's the circumcision of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Okay? And so Jesus was the kind of person where he, when he saw the crowd, he was not apathetic. Okay? He, he wasn't um, disassociated. He wasn't disconnected. In fact, um, we, I'm just finishing up a, a, my own personal study on the book of Mark, um, which we'll release really, you know, very soon, hopefully. Um, there's a lot of curveballs coming our way, but very soon on Fervent Now. But Mark 6.34 says this. It says, And Jesus, when he came out, watch this, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. A sheep not having a shepherd. He looked at this huge crowd, massive crowd, and his heart was filled with compassion. My prayer today is that like we stop, pause, and think about the people who are hurting in our world today. And if there's an ounce of apathy for us to repent and exchange that for a heart of compassion, for the Jesus heart in the Jesus way. And for us, when we see the crowd, when we see people hurting, when we see people that are shepherdless, when we look at the crowd and we see the hungry, we see those who are victims of injustice, when we see people who are in need, that we're not filled with apathy, we're filled with compassion. And we're moved. Apathy means not having any type of emotional enthusiasm. Okay? Again, it's not, you don't have to be the opposite. It doesn't have to be hate. It's just be apathy, right in the middle. Not having enthusiasm. The word fervent means to have passionate enthusiasm. Okay? So, you cannot be fervent and apathetic at the same time. You cannot be fervent and apathetic at the same time. They are polar opposites. And we are called to be fervent people. Why? Because 1 Peter 4.8 says this, that fervent love, have fervent love for one another. To have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sin. Fervent church. We're not called to be apathetic. We're called to be fervent in all that we do. So as of right now, I'm calling everyone out. 
myself, anyone, if there's a, any ounce of apathy, let's repent. And so today you might have a heavy heart. Today you might have a discouraged heart. Today you might have a sad heart, a heavy heart. I get it. And I'm with you. But God wants to do a heart transplant today. Because I promise you that if he could change your heart, he could change everything. So here's what I want to do. I want to close our time together with, with a prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable if that's you. Um, I'm going to just pray against apathy. And if that's you, just put your hand up virtually on the comment section. Um, and just know that I'm praying for you right now. Father, I pray that in our hearts, you let us see the hurt. Even for some of us, like, I know we have people from different backgrounds. For some of us who have a hard time seeing the hurt, Holy Spirit, help us see the hurt. Help us see it clearly. So clearly that they, there's no room for apathy. There's no room for, to have tragedy fatigue at any, at any level, God, that we see it and we feel everything. Holy Spirit, help us feel everything. Help us feel everything and replace this apathetic heart with a heart of compassion, a heart that is not just moved emotionally, but moved into action to do your will here, to be peacemakers and not be peacekeepers, to be ambassadors of your love and your grace, and to be aggressive about it. Because that's what fervent people do. Help us. Help us, Jesus. Be exactly that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, I also want to do this. If there's anyone who's watching, you really feel, man, that Jesus you're talking about, I want to be all about that Jesus. Um, that's, that, is, that excites me. So, um, we want to help you out with that. So if you want to make a commitment to Jesus today, um, let us know in the comments and we'll follow up with you. Um, Jesus is going to do some amazing things. God's going to do some amazing things. Um, I, I will not believe that our best days are behind us, um, that we're going to move forward with passion. So thank you, church. Let's take this opportunity and let's worship together.